Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Winning this series with a depleted team, without Kevin Love, without Anderson Verichow, without Kyrie Irving, with Amon Shumpert playing with one arm and Matthew Dellavedova coming out of the hospital, I just think for LeBron, this is the greatest challenge that he has ever seen. It's been a difficult challenge, but I accept it all. We're undermanned, we're undermatched, and we're fighting. Welcome back to NBA Finals File with Robert Ori and Jabari Davis. Today we get into part two of the 2015 NBA Finals between the Cavs and the Warriors. We left off part one after game three and LeBron and the Cavs are shocking the world with a 2-1 series lead. At this stage in this series, when you first watched, did you think, hey, maybe even shorthanded, even without Kevin Love, even without Kyrie, maybe they could actually do this? So the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, wow, LeBron's playing at a high level. If he could just keep playing this way, keep the boat afloat, and get Kyrie back, they're going to be in trouble. Because when you have an ankle, knee injury, or some type of injury in the playoffs, you say, okay, he can be out maybe four to five days, and he might be able to make his way back into the lineup. But you're going to need someone to carry you until then. Who better than LeBron James, who's averaging almost a triple-double in this series and playing at a high level? And if he could hold on, he'll be all right. And then he goes home. And gets the game, not up 2-1. Oh, he ready. James nails the three. I would keep trying to screen to get Iguodala off of him. James just bullies his way in and gets the layup. So to that point, you know, in going back through the footage of this game, what I was kind of worried about, given how much effort LeBron had expended at this stage, it, it kind of comes to fruition. It's sort of like, Rob, do you remember the story, that old story about John Henry? John Henry was a, a man. Lot of, you know, we heard it when we were younger. Yeah. John Henry <laughs> working against the machine. John Henry looked up at 
But we're basically LeBron is pounding away with his sledgehammer, you know, going up against a machine that's, you know, just forming in this iteration of the Golden State Warriors. But we got that game, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, the thing about it, LeBron, the lowest output point wise in this series with 20 points, you know, think about it. He's going out playing 40 minutes a game. But to that, though, we talked about this. You have to have other step up. Mozgov had 28 and 10 in that series, and you need that. Yep. But sometimes you're going to need your bench to come through, and that's where they ran into trouble. Their bench only gave them seven points. And you've got to have more bench production in a game if in order to win because you know the Golden State Warriors bench are going to come with it, and they did with a 19-point production out of their bench. And to your point, yeah, and, and admittedly, it almost feels crazy <laughs> to criticize LeBron in this series. In fact, I'm not criticizing him. I'm just acknowledging, you know, it was inevitable. He has a seven for 22 game. You know, it was bound to come, you know, especially, you know, especially when you consider that he still almost puts up a triple double for the game. But, you know, the guy that you just mentioned, Mozgov, he winds up having the game of his life, you know, with the defense basically continuing to key in on LeBron. He actually was a game-high 28-10 and 10 in Game 4. Here's the double-team. Mozgov wisely comes across. Perfect execution there. At seven assists for James, 21 points for Mozgov. Much like last week's series that we covered, where in all reality, it ended up making Austin Crozier a very rich man. Mozgov <laughs> yes. winds up you know, scoring a huge deal uh-huh. from your Lakers the following summer, which you know some have attributed to the work that he did here on the big stage in this series to that point. Let me ask you, do GMC see a series like this make a mental note of wanting a guy when he's going to eventually become available down the line? All the time. There's so many players in this league that had a good game or two good games or stretch a run like somebody we're not going to mention that played in New York, and all of a sudden you get this big payday. But I also want to go back to the reason he did so well is because Steve Kerr made a change up in the lineup, and he went small. because. During the course of the finals, coaches like to, you know, tinker with their lineups. And he went small. He put Draymond Green at the five. And Draymond Green is such a help guy. When LeBron drives, he helps off. And think about it. He's guarding Mozgov. That can contribute to Mozgov 28 points. And a lot of times GMs don't realize he got these 28 because you play with a guy that's so dynamic, you have to help off him. And who do you help off? It's, mm, let's take a pick on this team who we should help out. Let's try Moskov because he hasn't been playing that well. And to Moskov's credit, he stepped up big. And Moskov throws it down. No look pass from LeBron James. How about the vision? He truly did. And to your point on the adjustment from Kerr with Draymond, Draymond actually puts up 17, 7, and 6 in this game. They get a good contribution from Harrison Barnes, 14 and 8 as well. So outside of a run that saw the Cavs chop you know, a large lead down to six points, the entire game was a struggle offensively. Golden State, they wind up actually holding Cleveland to just four for 27 shooting from distance on the way to a 103-84 victory in game four. And now we've got to, you know, now, now the series is serious because we, we're, we're all tied up at 2-2. Yeah, you know, you talk about fatigue playing a factor in this game. Think about it. Cleveland only scored 12 points in the fourth quarter, a total of 40 points in the second half. And think, you know, Golden State hit 31 in the first quarter. So someone yeah. came out to play. And I think, you know, as a coach, sometimes you got to look at this other team like, yo, they are playing many players. We're going to have to go to our bench and just run them and try to make their mm-hmm. legs tired when the fourth quarter rolls around. And you look at the way Steve Kerr played this game. 
he threw a lot of people at them, a lot of guys that get up and down the court. And that could be one of the reasons he took Bogut out of the lineup and started Iggy. They went smaller, they go faster, they up the tempo. So, and I think it worked in his favor in this game. Steve Kerr changing things up. They're going small. Draymond Green's going to play center. And Andre Iguodala will start for the first time this season. Outlet Iguodala, breakaway slam with a right hand. Outside of a run in the third that saw the Cavs chop it down to six points, you know, what was a huge lead at one point, it was a struggle for them offensively. Golden State winds up holding Cleveland to just four for 27, shooting from distance on the way to a 103-82 victory in game four. And now we got a series because things are all tied up at 2-2. Head coach Steve Kerr made another brilliant move in this postseason. He starts Andre Iguodala, and the Warriors came out running. It got them going, and it's allowed them to tie up the NBA Finals at two games apiece. That's the recipe for success, and we finally figured it out tonight. Great job, man. Now we go back to the Bay, home court advantage, best two out of three. And uh, we got a tough task ahead of us, but we'll be ready for the challenge. So let's go ahead and get into game five because both Steph and LeBron, they put on a show with the teams both competing to go up 3-2. Curry for three. Got knocked down and still nailed it. James goes right at Draymond Green and easily banks it in. James foul, count it, and one. Beautiful drive from LeBron James. Mozgov, who had been you know, Cleveland's second most consistent performer at this point, he actually winds up only playing nine minutes due to Golden State's adjustment. Do you think that they should have stuck with the bigger lineups, they being the Cavs, at least to try to back her into a corner? Or was it an adjustment that they had to make, given how effective that small ball lineup was? You know, we can always be coaches from the college, but for me, I'm a true believer in you roll with what you roll with all season. And this is the lineup that got you here. Why change it at the end of the season when you're not used to it? Guys get in the rhythm. What I mean by that is, for me, I knew at the two-minute mark in the first quarter, I was going to come in the game. And I was going to play that to get warmed up, and I was going to play the whole second, and the same thing in the second half. And guys get that routine. We're such fanatics at doing our routines and not having anything interrupt that. And I think with that, it kind of interrupted the routine. And since then, now you got guys that aren't used to playing 40 minutes a game, like Tristan Thompson, Shumper. These guys are now playing... 40 minutes a game. Your body isn't used to that. LeBron, of course, he's he's a whole nother different type of animal. You know, he's going to play 50, 80 minutes a game because he's conditioned like that. But I think it played a different role than how J.R. Smith played and how Shumper played because now they was playing more minutes and they was having to play in a position where they weren't used to. For instance, what I mean by that is bigs are used to boxing out and getting rebounds. Guards, not so much. Now you got the situations of getting rebounds and that plays into it. And I think and I, if I'm the coach, me personally, I think I don't change my lineup. I'm going to go big and try to punish whoever's guarding Moscow in the post and make you change your lineup. You know, Rob, I'm glad that you mentioned it's easy to be a, you know, a coach from the couch or a Monday morning quarterback, if, <laughs> you know, if you will. Because you know what? You know, some of the adjustments for Bled, you know, they did make some sense. J.R. Smith, he wound up playing huge minutes off the bench for the Cavs in this one. And he actually ended up being the third leading scorer with 14 points for Cleveland behind Tristan Thompson's 19 and obviously LeBron's eventual 40-point night. You know, to that point that you made, as cliche as it sounds, this series, it felt like one of those situations where, you know, all the fingers were pointed at Coach Blatt along the way, and as well as after the fact, but Honestly, Cleveland was simply outmatched, you know, especially due to injuries outside of LeBron and Thompson. Yeah, I'm going to tell you how this works out. You know, LeBron James is your key. Played 44 minutes. Let's say 45 because it's 44 points something. Let's say 45. Now, you put Mozgov in that situation. Jared Smith is playing good. 
You can take five minutes from LeBron James and add it to J.R. Smith or Mozgov or James Jones or Mike, whoever it is. That makes a huge difference in LeBron's legs down the stretch because instead of, you know, only scoring 17 points in that third quarter, you may score more or 24 points in the fourth quarter for whopping 41 points again in the second half. It makes a difference on how LeBron is able to attack because there's going to be plays that LeBron's going to come down. He's going to settle for a shot when he could have used that energy to drive when he didn't have that energy. And in this one, outside of LeBron and Tristan, the Cavs actually combined to shoot just 11 for 36 from the floor. Taking it even a step further, LeBron also accounted for 11 of the team's 17 total assists. So basically, if he wasn't in the action, chances are the Cavs weren't scoring too much in this one. Yeah, 17 assists, that's mighty low. If you tell me, I don't even have to watch a game, and you say, oh, this team got 17 assists, I immediately say, oh, they took the L. (laughs) (laughs) Too much one-on-one ball or or simply not enough ball movement? (laughs) Not enough shot making. (laughs) You got to get buckets at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of things, Steph made another seven threes in this one. And, you know, truthfully, as we went through this footage, his series was a bit better than I remembered overall. Curry gets a screen, dribbles on Delvadova. Both behind the back left hand, crossovers, fades and fires. Oh, my goodness! You know, it's so funny how conversations, you know, in narratives can take place where it's like, oh, well, Steph never has big games in the finals or, you know, the criticisms that have come with him not having a finals MVP. Honestly, throughout this series, I recognize he's not going to get it, but I almost feel like Steph should have been because he was good enough to me as the lead player. Well, if you really look at it, Steph only had that one bad game in game two. Mm -hmm. You know, and you think about it, he went, what, one for 12 in that game from three? Yep. And then you remember at the end of the next game, he hit those three. Yep. And next thing you know, he's rolling. And let's be real. You know, he might not have won an MVP, but we all know he should have won MVP of this series. Uh, mm-hmm. No no knock against Iggy for getting it, but they gave Iggy MVP based on the defense he played on LeBron. LeBron averaged 38 <laughs> points in this series. <laughs> what kind of defense is that? He held him under you know, 50. So, but, you know, we, we, yeah, we, we can go on for days about that one, but we all know Steph should have won MVP of this series because game five, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Game four, he was fantastic. What else do you want from the man? We actually discussed this topic in the opening series of this show, but it did feel like if LeBron wasn't winning finals MVP during his nine out of 10 years in the finals, it wound up going to whomever we universally deemed as, quote unquote, making his life just a little bit more difficult during a lot of these finals. <laughs> you know, every great player has that nemesis. You think about it. Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. the, he had a whole team. You know, Bad Kobe boys. Bryant, he had a whole team. And so he, LeBron James. He has a whole team. (laughs) Fair enough. So the Dubs, they wind up taking this one 104-91, winning it going away and taking command of this series. They're up 3-2. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, the Warriors try to win three in a row in order to take the series in Cleveland. Curry splits the defense, goes down a lane, left-handed, banks it in. Curry for three. Bang! Exclamation point. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. 
Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of his stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's been 40 years since the Warriors last celebrated an NBA title. Today, they're one win away from making history again. All right, we're back here on NBA Finals File. Let's go ahead and jump into Game 6. The Warriors, they're they're trying to end their 40-year drought. So, I hate to call the final game of what started as a phenomenal matchup, you know, anticlimactic, but we have to be honest here on Finals File. The team's training runs over the first three quarters, but, you know, it was a game where it really, at least for me, and let me know if you felt differently, it really never felt in doubt for Golden State. Um, Especially when they came out. They started that game out winning the first quarter. And when you step into the finals, you want to win each quarter. And you're in a closeout situation, you really want to win the quarters. They won that first quarter 28 to 15. And I think the 15 had a lot to do with, you know, Cleveland trying to get their legs on them. And a big difference in the last couple of games for Golden State. They get off to good starts. Iguodala after the inbounds with the shot clock at eight. Right side, Draymond Green. The action cutting is a beautiful backdoor with Curry who lays it up and in. 
So a couple things I did notice were the facts that Blatt went back to Mozgov playing big minutes, even though the Warriors stuck with the small ball lineups and just how much of Cleveland's fate was tied to how well or poorly they shot the three ball in this series. I think when you look at the way Cleveland shot it from three, they finished up with only making six for 26 in his last game compared to what Golden State does, 13 for 34. And you just can't compete with the Splash Brothers when it comes to that sense in the way that Golden State runs their offense. They run a spread system with multiple guys moving at all times, three-point shooters across the board, whereas you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers lineup, you only got J.R. Smith, who's a consistent three-point shooter because LeBron is, a, you know, an up-and-down three-point shooter. But when you want to say, oh, guy, this guy's a three-point shooter, it'll be J.R. Smith because Shumper was sporadic with his threes. But this was the series that came down to three. And this, to me, is a series that kind of changed basketball in itself that everybody fell in love with the three ball. It was like, okay, let's go with the three ball because three is more than two. <laughs> but we all learned that in elementary school. We know that. But still, though, that's why Black was like, you know what? Yes, three is more than two. But when you miss those shots, I need a big to rebound it and get some offensive rebounds and some putbacks. And I think that's why he bought Moskov back in the game because he had seven offensive rebounds. Absolutely. And you know what? Yeah, just backing that point up, in the games where Cleveland won, they shot 38% from deep compared to just 26% from beyond the arc collectively in the games they lost. So it definitely played a role, whether, you know, old school NBA fans like it or not. It felt like this series was kind of a transition point for several different things mm -hmm. when it comes to the, to the league. Get to the Curry, he'll fire and hit a three right in front of the Golden State bench. Talk about a gift to shoot the basketball. That was locked and loaded. So for Golden State side of things, Steph and Iggy combined for 50. They got a nice triple-double from Draymond. He chipped in with a 16, 10, and 11 game. And they got timely contributions from guys like Sean Livingston, Leandro Barbosa, and Festus Azili. It basically just wound up being too much for the Cavs to overcome. LeBron was back on his John Henry act with a 32.18 rebound, nine assist game for this one. Back to LeBron in the corner with the clock at three. Guarded by Livingston. Step back, corner three. It's good! What a shot by James! But even double-doubles from Tristan Thompson and Mozgov, plus 19 off the bench from JR, wasn't quite enough to hold off Golden State. Back to Draymond, up and under, throws to the corner. There's Iguodala, he'll let it launch. Iguodala, wide open shot, hits the three-pointer. Golden State can start their celebration. LeBron James with the congratulations for the MVP. And it's over! The championship is back in the Bay for the first time in 40 years. The Warriors win this one and the title. They win 105-97 to take their first title in 40 years. So, Rob, I alluded to it earlier. I think we were both in agreement in terms of the three-point ball and the emphasis on the three-point ball kind of shifting at this point. But would you agree that this finals is kind of where the NBA also started to adapt to you know, going to more small ball in order to kind of emulate the death lineup? You know, the thing about the NBA, they always copy successful people and once the Splash Brothers came into play and was knocking down threes, we're like, oh, this works. But if you think about it, you go back to 95, mm -hmm. when we went small ball with the Houston Rockets, we went Splash Brothers with Kenny, myself, Mario, and Clyde, where we had Dream on the inside. Even though, you know, Draymond is no Dream, but you still have a situation where Draymond runs it from the high post, Dream runs it from the low post. And so you had the small ball. It's, it's been around, it's been floating in the air. For a while, you know, so now you got the Splash Brothers who took it to a whole nother level. So you got that. But I want to go back to that game, though. You remember when I talked about when you call yourself a stopper mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you start believing the hype? 
Did you see what our boy Del Dover had in that game? Zero for three. <laughs> you know, he ended up with one point. And when you can, when you call yourself a stopper, that can get you in trouble. And those are keys like that within a series that can make a series. And when you don't get anything out of your point guard who's replacing the great Kyrie, it's an uphill battle. You know, that's a great point. And something I want to point out on that, as a fan, Sometimes I feel like our narratives and our conversations can get you guys into trouble. So, like, you know, first of all, like, I don't know that, I don't, I don't think Delhi said he was a stopper. We said he was a stopper. But, like, can, can you speak to that in, in terms of what that might mean in terms of motivation for a player as great as Steph? It's, it's a huge motivational factor for every player. I can speak on my first time in the NBA when Vernon Maxwell told Scottie Pippen, oh, Rob's. He's a, he's a Pippin stopper. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't you put me in that trick bag. Uh-uh, don't put me in that. Because think about it. You're going to have to fight that throughout your career. And Della Dover, he started kind of believing the hype that he could go out and stop Steph. And that's just a motivation factor. And plus, not with just Steph, but his teammates. We take a lot of pride in our teammates going out and debunking this theory of there's a stopper. Think about Ruben Patterson, who was a Kobe Bryant stopper. That didn't work for his situation either. So people should learn from these two guys that are considered stoppers. If you ever say, hey, you're a stopper, say, no, 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 don't put me in that bag because it's just going to cause you trouble from that great player that you guard and from that great team you guard because they're going to put you in all kind of pick and roll situations, all kind of screen situations to get that guy open to prove that you can't stop him. All right, let's take one final break. But when we come back, we'll give out our series awards. And I have a feeling these might get interesting. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of his stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least. 
as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back here on NBA Finals File. Rob, this is the big moment, the Finals File Awards. Who? <laughs> I almost feel like we've already discussed this. And, uh, you know, but let's go ahead and get into it. Who do you feel like the MVP should have been in this series? No doubt in my mind, the MVP should have been Stephen Curry. Curry gets an opening, fires away, got it again. Stephen was just fantastic in this series. You think about it, it was six games. He only had one bad game. Mm-hmm. But when you're a superstar, they expect every game to be a great game. You know, if we were able to give our MVPs for the losing team, we all know it would go to LeBron James because he almost averaged a triple-double, averaging 30-plus points a game. He was a man amongst boys in this series. That's exactly where I'm going with it. This is for the first time ever. I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to (laughs) say I think LeBron deserved the MVP of this series. I know it happened once in the past where, you know, Jerry West won it, you know, even though his Lakers lost to the Boston Celtics. I think this absolutely could have been one of those series. Look, if you're not going to give it to Steph, which it should have gone to, then give it to LeBron. Don't give it to a guy that, as we just said, he was a, you know, and 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 I mean no disrespect, but a full stopper. You know, because Iggy played great, but he there's no there was no stopping yeah. LeBron in this one. Yeah, and I love Iggy to death. I think he's one of the best players to play this game. Yeah, but absolutely. we all at home know, even Steph knew, you know, if you can go back and look at the film of when they announced the MVP <laughs> and you look at Steph's face, you're like, what? <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. He had, he had the whole, I beg your pardon face. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Thank you. It could have been a lot of these guys, but there can only be one MVP. And this year's MVP is a player who didn't start in a single game until these finals. This year's Bill Russell MVP, Andre Iguodala. All right, so what about best role players? I feel like this could have gone different ways. You know, for me, when I talk about role players, I like to talk about guys off the bench. Mm -hmm. And this guy doesn't get talked about enough because I'm going to give it to Sean Livingston. Ooh, nice, okay. Livingston spins, drives, gets underneath, layup is good. Curry finds Livingston. Livingston, the crossover, spins on Shepard and nails it. People don't understand the severity of the injury he had when he first came into the league was playing with the Clippers. This dude should have been never playing basketball again, but he was able to come through and play huge minutes for the Golden State Warriors down the stretch. And I think Sean Livingston was that go-to guy for me. So he gets that award. I absolutely love the Sean Livingston love here. Specifically, I, I, look, I remember that injury. I was watching that game. I remember it and said, oh, my goodness, this mm-hmm. is it's up there. We we won't gross folks out. They can let Google be their friend <laughs> there. But and, and, and I'm not going to argue it, but I will say this is actually the award I think Iggy deserves because he was. And I know you're right in terms of being a reserve versus being a starter. But, you know, he played both roles in this series and he was absolutely excellent in his support. Yeah. But, I, you know, there's a war he will get. Oh, yeah, it's coming up. It's coming up. 
All right. What about the coaching matchup? Who do you feel won that? I give it to Kerr, um, mm-hmm. especially when that move when he started Iggy. And so he went with a small lineup with Draymond Green at center, Iggy, Barnes, and Clay Thompson, and Curry. And it forced Blatt to do a couple different things. He changed his lineup after the loss and then went back to his lineup. See, right there, that's where you know you win the battle because you're confusing the mm-hmm. coach. He doesn't know what lineup he wants to play. He doesn't know what to do. And so that's half the battle right there, getting the other team's coach confused. And like I said, when a coach just say, you know what, this is what got us here. This lineup got us here. Let's just roll with that. And I think Black would have been better off. But coaching star goes to Steve Kerr. I cannot argue with that. And you know what? It almost felt like we, you know, and, and I know that you weren't, but it almost felt like we were beating up on Coach Blatt in this one. So I just want to acknowledge once again, you know, there weren't really any good answers <laughs> to this one. But I do agree in terms of the strategy, the edge clearly goes to Kerr in this one. But, you know, when you talk about Black, he had, two of his future Hall of Famers out of this series. Mm-hmm. So he did a hell of a coaching job. Mm-hmm. He had to coach what he had. And so you get big ups for that. But at the end of the day, Curry knew how to exploit his weaknesses. That's all. The team's weakness, not the Blacks, but the team's weakness. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. This is the moment. This is my favorite award. Who gets the Big Shot Bob Award? The Big Shot Award goes to Andre Iguodala. <laughs> Iggy gets this because I know it wasn't just because of Iggy's defense. I know we joked about that, but if you go back and look at the way he performed throughout this series, the plan was to back off of Iggy and make him shoot. Mm-hmm. They backed off and he made him pay. He knocked down a bunch of threes. Even in the last game, he came up big and having 25 points. So he was three from eight for three. So he wasn't afraid of the moment. So when you're a guy that can step up and knock down big shots in the biggest moment, you get my big shot award. And that's what Iggy was. He didn't shy away from the moment. He stepped up to the plate and knocked it out the park. I'm glad you mentioned us being a little bit tongue-in-cheek when it comes to the defense, because you're right, beyond you know, playing incredible defense, these were the moments that probably won him the ultimate award. And these were the moments that absolutely helped Golden State secure this title. So well-deserved. Well-deserved, Iggy. You know, congratulations to you. We'll make sure to reach out to him and get him his awards. At some point. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about this. Iggy took more shots than anybody on that team in the clinching game. You know, there's uh, there's never been a time where a guy who comes off the bench all of a sudden starts, takes more shots than the big dogs, the Splash Brothers, or Draymond, or Harrison Barnes. You know, he had 20 shots that game. Everybody else, next one was 19. Three picks it out, Iguodala. His three-point attempt. Got it! He had his, uh, all right, guys, I got this. I got this moment, and I'm not mad at him for it. On the biggest stage in the biggest moment. And the dream season is now complete. The Golden State Warriors are the 2015 NBA champions. Hours in, the hard work, the practice. Fight through injuries. Look at this. It looks so much better in person, too. Oh, man. Rob, absolutely fantastic time here discussing the 2015 finals. For next week, we're going to jump into the same matchup maybe different results. Stay with us here on NBA Finals. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.